0: You are now listening to the smooth, mellifluous sounds of Red's Room Podcast. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to episode number 32 of the Red's Room Podcast. I'm your host, Red. And I am your co-host, Jake. And today we are talking about the two Babylons. As always, our references are in the episode description, and we encourage you to check those out. Yeah, check them
0: out. Verify us. Make sure we're not telling stupid lies. Right. We
1: do talk some shit, but we really <laughs> research this. Though. Yeah, we so try. We, we we try our best. So uh, I'm going to read a paragraph here to give you guys some insight. We got a dense yeah. subject today, but... in. Oh, my, is it a juicy one. Definitely. Okay. Originally, a pamphlet published in 1853, The Two Babylons, or the PayPal worship proved to be the worship of Nimrod, is Hislop's most famous work. In this book, he argues that the Roman Catholic Church is nothing more than a pagan cult with roots in Babylonian mystery cults, which have a bank of secret knowledge only available to those who have been formally accepted into the cult. Roman Catholics, Hislop argues, are descendants from early Christians who adopted the Roman religion descended from the worship of Semiramis, the wife of the founder of Babylon. By discrediting the true Christianity of Catholics. Hislop hoped to bolster the, the legitimacy of the Protestant and Scottish referments. Students of theology and those interested in the complex history of Christianity will find Hislop's arguments provocative enough that they may be moved to further research of their own. In a nutshell, that's what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, and uh, one thing that fucking you did on the previous pick up that book oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i have the book what's going on yeah yeah yeah.
1: this is it the two babylons Mm -hmm. i used to have a sweet hardback book i lost but this is this is it man
0: yeah it's definitely a good book a good read and it's a hard read definitely a hard read if we if you didn't hear
1: it, it was first a pamphlet in 1853 so yeah not only is it like scholarly dense uh with information but you have
0: that older style of language of in english i'm getting i don't know if any of y'all had listened to our it would be two episodes ago the mushroom in the cross a very dense hard subject to cover but a good one definitely no, it's the sacred mushroom in the cross okay the sacred it's so sacred and the- <laughs> yeah um but yeah
1: this kind of uh it's uh similar in some ways
0: yeah definitely reading it and uh kind of the same situation i gotta call myself out here with the sacred mushroom in the cross. I listened to, I don't even think I got halfway like I did with the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. I maybe got about a third of the way through the book, and it definitely is a good read or good listen, but it is, it's tough to follow along through, but it is there is some good insight, some good info going on here, and big shout out to Hislop with the the work he did here. Awesome work. It's definitely. amazing.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, I I did read the book, but it was like 15 years ago. So, I'm a little rusty on it, but I did some catching up.
0: Yeah. Did some catching up and I would definitely recommend the book to others, but let's get no in. Let's, let's get into it. Let's cover this. Let's talk about Alexander first. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Alexander was born and raised in Dun's Berkshire in 1807. He was the son of Stephen Hislop who died in 1837. A mason by occupation and an elder of the relief church. Uh, He was for a time parish schoolmaster of Wick uh, Cathens. In 1831, uh, Alexander married Jane Pearson. He was for a time editor of the Scottish Guardian newspaper. As a probationer, he joined the Free Church of Scotland at the Disruption of 1843. He was ordained in 1844 at the East Free Church, Ar- Arbroath, where he became senior minister in 1864, and he died of paralytic stroke in Arbroath in 1865 after being ill for about two years. So that's R. his R. life in a paragraph. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to get into his book. Uh, So, the two Babylons. Um, Read this first paragraph. Hislop builds on the pan-Babylonian school of hyper-diffusionism, which was common in the 19th century, to argue that classical and ancient Near Eastern civilizations took its inspiration from Babylon. From this, he derives the argument that the mystery religions of late antiquity were actually offshoots of one ancient religion founded at the Tower of Babel. Which, if you are a avid Bible reader, you will remember that after the Great Flood, um, everyone spoke one language and they decided to build a tower to heaven called the Tower of Babel. And it was at that tower that God split the languages so they couldn't understand each other and they would have to fulfill God's will and spread out and mm-hmm. fill the earth.
0: Yeah, they had to disperse and build out the earth. and
1: Hence the meaning of the name Babel. Yeah, now. get
0: shit done. It is...
1: Because they couldn't understand each other. Exactly. Um, I did have a couple definitions here. Okay. Thanks for that, by the way. Uh, so... It said that he builds on pan Babylonian. So I got a definition of that. Pan Babylonianism was the school of thought that considered the cultures and religions of the Middle East and civilization in general to be ultimately derived from Babylonian myths, which in turn they viewed as being based on Babylonian astronomy, often in hidden ways. And then it said that that was pan-Babylonian school of hyper-diffusionism. Big word. So I have the definition of hyperdiffusionism because if you're like me, you had no idea what that meant.
0: Yeah, I have no fucking idea.
1: That is uh, a pseudo-archaeological hypothesis that postulates that certain historical uh, technologies or ideas were developed by a single people or civilization and then spread to other cultures. Thus, all great civilizations to engage in what appear to be similar cultural practices, such as the construction of pyramids, derive then from a single common uh, prognator. According to proponents of hyperdiffusionism, examples of hyperdiffusionism can be found in religious practices, cultural technologies, megalithic monuments, and lost ancient civilizations.
0: It's funny how the pyramids <sighs> always fucking come up, dude. Yeah, they're talking about op monuments. Of course, I get what they're saying though. So they're saying yeah. that
1: everyone learned everything from one source, Mm-hmm. and which it gets dispersed. Makes and, sense. Yeah, and from what we've been finding about Sumeria, like everyone, oh been, yeah, e-
0: everything came from Sumeria. It's it's insane, dude. The whole everything come from came from Sumer is just like. That was like almost a just shell shock, like crazy moment for me. Especially doing the last podcast on the Epic of Gilgamesh because I had that I had that seed planted with the two we did before with the uh with the sacred mushroom and the cross and the uh, the ape theory, the Stoned ape theory. Yes. How back to back to back, and now with this one as well, we have that connection with Sumer. And once again, like I said on the last one, they were super ahead of their time and just very smart Mm -hmm. people, man. Like, I can't imagine what info they had, no doubt, Mm -hmm. to them and what they were able to come out with it is just crazy. 100% agree. For being the first
1: civilization, they seemed pretty advanced.
0: Like, they were like the ants. And they became, like, fucking O.P. (laughs) No doubt. Humans, but, man, big respect to the Sumerians, just in general. They were awesome. mm
1: -hmm. Okay, I got one more paragraph here. Let's do it. Here's the summary of the book. Uh, Or not summary, uh, but uh, some details about the book. Yeah. The two Babylons heavily relies on Austin Henry Layard's publications of his excavations at Nineveh which had only been just discovered in 1851. This gave his work an appearance of being well-researched at the time of its publication. For example, Hislop linked the name of Easter with Astaire, the Phoenician fertility goddess, by citing Layard's recent discovery of Astaire's Assyrian name Ishtar, which Hislop took to be identical to Easter.
0: So, interesting. Yeah, kind of an epic of Gilgamesh connection there. Yeah. Ishtar.
1: And it it reminds me of the sacred mushroom in the cross with him finding so many similarities and things through yeah. etymology and through the names of things.
0: We definitely have the idea of things being lost in translation. Yeah. Again. And I talked Once about this with
1: Jake. I don't know if I don't know enough to know. If those similarities are legitimate or if this is... Of course. If this is like ancient aliens uh, on the History Channel. Exactly. With just him just making crazy connections. But to me, these sound like they make sense. But maybe that's because I don't know enough about these languages.
0: Like, definitely. So I'm going to, you know, I feel like we have say to that. say again that we're not smart enough to know for sure. I don't know if anyone is, but we are definitely... The lower end of the qualification level, but yes, it but I will say with, I
1: can see it with Hislop though. I think there are a lot of similarities yeah. between these things and it's not just etymology. I totally like, agree in, in the Epic of Gilgamesh. They had the story of the flood, which seems to be like the story of the flood in the Bible with Noah and there are similarity similarities there beyond words. It's the story itself is similar. Yeah. So I I think uh there's a little more legitimacy here. I I don't know, again, not a scholar, just a guy. Mm-hmm. But to me,
0: I think there's a little more. Once I, I find again, it interesting. We are just two brothers just taking yeah. some fun topics and just trying to delve into it, but Hey, if anything, you just listen to two idiots smoke some cigars and talk about Yeah, it. yeah, smoke some cigars, have a few drinks and we'll delve into whatever you want to fucking delve into let's get into this next this first uh big topic of the book definitely a big topic
1: and that is the trinity Mm -hmm. uh let me read some paragraphs here on this one Uh, so uh this first one is from the book uh if there be this general coincidence between the systems of babylon and rome the question arises does the coincidence stop here to this answer is far otherwise. We have only to bring the ancient Babylonian mysteries to bear on the whole system of Rome. And then it will be seen how immensely uh, the one has borrowed from the other. These mysteries were long shrouded in darkness, but now the thick darkness begins to pass away. All who have paid the least attention to the literature of Greece, Egypt, Phoenicia, or Rome are aware of the place which the mysteries occupy in these countries. And that, whatever circumstantial diversities there might be, in all essential respects, these mysteries in the different countries were the same. Now, to unpack that dense paragraph, we're talking about the mysteries, which me and Jake, we've talked about in some older podcasts before we had video but the mystery schools and the mystery religions around the schools uh, were very interesting, and they were in Egypt and Greece that we know of, uh, Rome by extension from Greece. But Phoenicia, I didn't know. Okay, that's a new one there. And Yeah, uh, so these were secret religions, basically.
0: Weren't you saying to... Uh, we were chopping it up maybe like a week ago or something about this that a lot of these mystery schools you were only allowed to go to one time.
1: I know that for sure of mm-hmm. the the ones in Greece
0: in Rome. So we're not saying that over all of them, but it's like some of them you you got one shot to go through this fucker. And it it was it was more of an enlightenment. experience. It was a once a thing you were to do once in your life. I and feel go like through it. not just an experience and I guess maybe I overuse this word too many times but like kind of a, some sort of a, an enlightenment kind yeah, of yeah
1: I, I would yeah totally you know I totally see what you're saying there um, and in Egypt it was a huge part excuse me it was a huge part of their religion mm-hmm. they had an uh, an exoteric and an esoteric uh, religion okay and it was a huge part of the inner
0: esoteric religion was the mystery schools, dude. Miss, I would fucking love to go to one. Like, once again, I'm bringing it up just just drinking. Yeah. Like, if they have like the ergot wine or like the psychedelic alcohol, and yes. you have like a shaman, like teacher, bring you through these stages of enlightenment or teachings or whatever it is. I, I can no almost doubt. guarantee that it was just a one in a million experience you know it's sounds yeah you know me and jake have talked about this i've told him too
1: like if we ever got crazy big i want to bring back a mystery school
0: that, i think it would be yeah that would be amazing. fucking cool that would be fucking cool uh
1: to find some real experts on these on this subject exactly really bring some authenticity to it and yeah i was yeah, just gonna say it's we're, amazing we're you know?
0: not smart enough for that but no. uh it's at least me but uh, there no, is I'm definitely don't. some people out there like I'm just smart enough to know it's important. Oh, d- definitely it. I've, I mean, I feel like mystery schools maybe have shaped a lot of humanity or just people in general, just just changing ideologies or just maybe making people smarter. But no you, doubt, it, it is hard to say. But
1: so I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna reel us back in. We like to get out there. Yeah, it's real so, back in. That was just the beginning paragraph under this section. So we haven't even got to what this has to Yeah, and this is. is the Trinity, right? Yeah, oops. Yeah, no Ooh. doubt. Yeah, did that real nice. Okay, the unity of that one only God of the Babylonians, uh, there were three persons. And to symbolize that doctrine of the Trinity uh, they employed as the discoveries of layered, proved, the equilateral triangle mm-hmm. Just as it is well known, just as it is well known the Romish Church does to this day. Uh, there's a footnote here. Layards Babylon and Nineveh, the Egyptians also used the triangle as a symbol of their triform divinity. In both cases, such a comparison is most uh, degrading to the king eternal and is fitted utterly to pervert the minds of those who contemplate it as if there was, or could be any similitude between such a figure and him who hath said to whom will ye liken God and what likeness will ye compare unto him? Some dense reading already, man.
0: Definitely some dense reading. And, uh, one thing i wanted to touch on is mm-hmm. there is multiple names for the trinity i want to say you said the die the divine I-, I can't remember what, what you said but there there's multiple names for the trinity in oh the, no doubt yeah there is in the book i thought it was a dope title the triune divinity oh i and said triform
1: divinity the tri-form, is that what you're thinking yeah of?
0: yeah uh very similar very similar and uh when i was listening to the audiobook version the the reader said triune divinity and i was like yo that's got to be something crazy and i googled it right and uh the trinity just popped up it's so a triforce yeah i want to say it's, it's the same exact thing but i love the title of like the triune divinity or the triform just it, sound, it does sound cool it, it is, is a dope title and like you said the Triforce I wonder if they got inspiration from the Trinity oh, I feel no. like they definitely totally sounds did like it and if you do Google the the Trinity on wiki for example it pops up like the triangle with one being the father one being the son and one being the Holy Spirit like it's yes. a it's a whole triangle and uh it's a' A pretty dope concept in my opinion it's an interesting concept most of sure. y'all are familiar with that but i i think it's for those who aren't exactly i think it, it's important to delve into and what's interesting is what uh he
1: was saying in these dense subjects is that uh dense paragraphs here is that the trinity has been around longer than christianity that's
0: the that's the bombshell right there for you uh it is a crazy concept that it was around before but also if we think about the other stuff we've went through maybe not that crazy yeah you know when you start learning more about these things and once again believe what you want to but man it it is there is some crazy background evidence material that surrounds this yeah, we and we got some of that for you today.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me read this
0: last paragraph. Let's, and let's I, think, do it.
1: I think you have some stuff to share on this subject, Okay, too. Uh, so the papacy, which that has to do with the Pope, if you don't know. All the terms of papal, papacy, things like that, that means it has to do with the Pope. So the papacy has in some of its churches, as for instance, in the monastery of the so-called Trinitarians of Madrid an image of the triune god with three heads on one body the babylonians had something of the same mr layard in his work uh, has given a specimen of such a triune divinity worshiped in ancient assyria so he's talking about a specific thing here the three heads it's been around long, much longer than it was in the Cla- the Catholic Church. It was in Assyria, which is uh, very close to Babylon, which Babylon came from Sumer. So once again, uh, very we're getting very closely related to them. and yeah, that's that's what I had on the Trinity, but I know you got some more details on the Trinity, Um, and its relation to Egypt, if that helps you. Did you not? Didn't you have something on the Trinity of Osiris?
0: Okay. All right. This is where we're getting to here.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, think, yeah, drop that.
0: So just in general, just to set this up a little bit, this book makes a lot of connections between previous religions and maybe paganism to Christianity. Mm Mm-hmm and I wanted to bring up some Isis and Osiris connections to the Bible. So just a little background on, on, uh, we're gonna start with Isis. This is Mm -hmm. according to Britannica. Isis was initially an obscure goddess who lacked her own uh, dedicated temples, but she grew in importance as the dynastic age progressed until she became one of the most important deities of ancient Egypt. Her cult subsequently spread throughout the Roman Empire and Isis was worshiped from England to Afghanistan. She is still referred by many pagans today as mourner, she was the principal deity in rites connected with the dead. As a magical healer, she cured the sick and brought the deceased to life. And as mother, she was a role model for all women. Isis was most often represented as a beautiful woman wearing a sheath dress and either a hieroglyphic sign of the throne or a solar disk as a cow's cow's horns on her head. Occasionally, she was represented as a scorpion, a bird, a sow, or a cow. So now, if we're going to get into the connection to Christianity I, uh, I found an article. The Sydney Morning Herald had an article about it, nice. and uh, this was a, a dope excerpt from that article. According to Egyptian mythology, Isis was the spiritual mother of every pharaoh, but experts say her influence is still seen in the Christian icons of the faithful wife and the loving mother. A goddess of the moon and rebirth, she gave birth to Horus, the god of the sun. And if we want to infer to that more, some people connect this to the Virgin Mary, which I'm not going to say is, you know, fully, but I can understand the connection. You know, I can.
1: I I think it's a pretty good connection.
0: Yeah, I can understand where Christianity kind of if we are going to identify with this being real, I can I can see how that happened. Yes. You know, so uh, I'll, I'll move on here. This is a little... Uh, I'm going to get into Osiris next. This is coming from Wiki. A little background on Osiris so you know who, who this god is. Osiris is the god of fertility, agriculture, the afterlife, the dead, resurrection, life, and vegetation in ancient Egyptian religion. He was classically depicted as a green skinned deity with a pharaoh's beard, Harsh, did you say green skinned? Green skid deity. This is according did you say to wiki, skid or skinned? Skinned with an N. This is according to wiki. So if I'm bullshitting, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. If I'm bullshitting, he's check out rep- the wiki. He's a reptilian, yeah. <laughs> okay, dude. I uh, by the way, when I was researching this, I did get that. Did <laughs> you get that vibe? There yeah. was not not even that I got that vibe. There was a, a couple articles that I saw. About that, so you're not crazy thinking about okay, that. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay, to, the pharaohs. To, beard. Sorry to derail. No, you're good. You're good, man. Though. Partially mummy wrapped at the legs, wearing a distinctive atef crown and holding a symbolic crook and flail. He was one of the first to be associated with the mummy wrap when his brother Set cut him up into pieces after killing him. Osiris's wife. ISIS, who we touched on just before, found all the pieces and wrapped his body up, enabling him to return to life. Osiris is widely worshipped until the decline of ancient Egyptian religion during the rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. So now I'm going to go into the Osiris con- connection to possibly Christianity. This is according to Free Grace International. Once again, we'll have the article down below for you. The goddess Isis, Osiris's wife, searches out the pieces and, re- and reanimates her dead husband, Osiris's body, like we said before. She has sex with him and gives birth to Horos. The cri- Horus. The Christ. Horus. Appreciate the. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, De- definitely help me out here. The Christ myth circles. This is cited as one of the sources plagiarized sources, maybe, for Jesus's virgin birth. So I yes. personally think that's kind of a bombshell to me. Once again, I'm not saying that there is 100% facts. I'm not saying there's even, like, a little bit of it. I just think there is maybe a little bit of validity to point to I, I think there's those connections, a you know? I, I, I just don't want to, you know... M- Offend anybody, you know? Fucking, we all have our own beliefs, but I think it don't is, want to offend anyone. Yeah, but
1: yeah, it seems it seems very interesting. So
0: yeah, I think those Isis,
1: I, Osiris, and Horus. Exactly, we have another Trinity. It you know that predates yeah. Christianity with
0: a miraculous birth. Exactly. Uh, Osiris was supposedly dead and. Isis brought him back via a mummy like I don't know. The mummy thing is cool. Yeah the the mummy in the I mummy thing it is. Sounds cool. It is super cool via like a mummy like I don't know fucking Like Skeletor? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. ritual. Just it ritual seems- I guess you could say. And they Isis gives birth to this man and you know there is kind of some connections with the Virgin Mary and Jesus in a miraculous birth. It's it's exactly yeah, it's it is very interesting. And once again, I'm am just, I'm just taking a couple things and running with it. I'm not saying I believe in it, but it is right. a very interesting connection that is well, made. I think of back to our episode on um
1: occult theocracy. Yeah, talking about the, the first one, Moses possibly took his religion from Egypt and rebranded it kind
0: of. By the way that, that fucked me up for a while dude I I think it
1: it kind of ties to it though mm-hmm. doesn't it?
0: Like taking your own if version If he did kind of take that
1: religion and then like make his own version of it to make mm-hmm. his own nation
0: like wouldn't he exactly why wouldn't he take it, from it, that It, it kind of just and even goes together Let's say uh, you know, doubt in mind. Let's just say, hypothetically, that is true, right? Let's just say that is true. Which we don't know. If it w- is. Which obviously we don't know. This is maybe, just an exercise. Maybe that's not a bad thing either. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, no, I don't know. I don't you know? think it's a bad thing at all. And I, exactly. Like maybe you take some things from here, some things from here, a little bit of personal opinion, and you make your own shit, and your own shit also identifies with other people. Right. And, you know, so once again, not saying that that's facts, but I just think it was a dope connection. The Isis and Osiris, especially, I think their names are just dope. No doubt. Uh, also,
1: so. in, in researching this book, I found out that when cultures back then merged together, they would often merge their religions. Yeah, yeah. And they, and, and it it wasn't, wasn't a bad thing, right? It, yeah, it wasn't crazy. It, uh, but in uh, the time of of Rome when the Christianities were there they weren't they would refuse to merge their religion and it became a huge problem because everybody else would just merge their religion with the other one we would adopt some things you would add like uh I dude it almost even, sounds like
0: politics <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> you know? like
1: even even the vikings they like, they when they heard about Christianity, they were like, okay, cool. They just added Jesus to their roster. Add a couple things. They just, like, <laughs> yeah, added to him roster. Right on there. Yeah. They were like, yeah, cool, yeah, he can be up there with Odin and, yeah, you know. And they just added him and just merged him in. But um, in Rome, the Christians weren't merging. And that was a big problem with all the persecution. So I thought that was it- interesting, and it just kind of led a lot to, like, how – so many of these different ancient religions just kind of, they just kind of go together. Like the Sumerian There's ones, the Babylonian definitely. Ones, you can see the similarities of them in in the Roman and the Greek ones. Like you can see it all just kind of, uh, you know, they got this god. He's got kind of a little different name, but it's kind of similar, and he does the same thing. Yeah, and the stories kind of similar. Definitely, like it, all, just, it makes sense. It's like you have this religion we have this religion your god is of this well we have a god of that too and they just kind of definitely the story together and And
0: now there's more lore to this guy you know and there's more connections than that too
1: it just it makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. so um my that's my opinion but no uh, i i think that was a that was a you expressed that very good let's continue on with the book though Um, The next section I have, so we went into the Trinity. There's some similarities of the Trinity. Uh, The Trinity existed before Christianity. Yeah. We went Uh, to Isis and Osiris. Yeah. Uh, Now let's talk about Christmas. Uh, So I got a quote here from, uh, actually now pretty much everything's going to be quotes from the books. So I'm going to read you a paragraph here from the book. It says, the festivals of Rome are innumerable. But five of the most important may be singled out for uh, elucidation. Christmas Day, Lady Day, Easter, the Nativity of St. John, and the Feast of the Assumption. Each and all of these can be proved to be Babylonian. And first, as to the festival in honor of the birth of Christ or Christmas, how comes it that the festival was connected with the 25th of December? There is not a word in the scriptures about the precise day of his birth or the time of the year when he was born. What is recorded there implies that at what time soever his birth took place, it could not have been on the twenty-fifth of December at the time that the angel announced his birth to the shepherds of bethlehem they were feeding their flocks by night in the open fields now no doubt the climate of palestine is not to serve as the climate of this country but even there though the heat of the day be considerable the cold of the night from december to february is very piercing and it was not the custom for the shepherds of Judea to watch their flocks in the open fields later than the end of October. So, we're getting at here that Christmas, Jesus' birth, yeah, biblically, if we're going with it, could not have been the 25th of December at all.
0: But at the latest, could have been the end of October definitely and i feel like a lot of i mean a lot of you listeners if you are listening to us you are pretty educated when it comes to us but i had kind of already known a little bit about this but it was it was kind of a bombshell to me that fucking it wasn't christmas it wasn't the 25th of december it's it's kind of insane that even not just christians but normal non religious people celebrate Christmas on the twenty fifth of December and yes. it might be bullshit, you know? <clears throat> well you you know what I'm saying, Nick? It,
1: yeah, I know what you're saying. I know how it can be a bombshell, but mm-hmm. let me read the next yeah, paragraph. It's probably not this. too crazy to you, but so uh uh this next paragraph. Uh by the way, that one was last one was from chapter three Section one. This next one is also from chapter three, section one. Let's go. How then did the Romish church fix on December the 25th as Christmas Day? Long before the fourth century and long before the Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathen at that precise time of year in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven. And it may fairly be presumed that in order to consolate the heathen and to swell the number of the nominal adherents of Christianity, the same festival was adopted by the Roman church, giving it only the name of Christ. And then I got one more paragraph also from chapter 3, section 1.
0: This is, a, this is a big chapter, right? Here. Uh, yeah, man, there's a lot.
1: <laughs> and I'm summarizing as best I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Christmas tree, now so common among us, was equally common in pagan Rome and pagan Egypt. In Egypt, that tree was the palm tree. In Rome, it was the fir. The palm tree denoting the pagan Messiah as Baal Tamar, the fir referring to him as Baal Berith, the mother of Adonis. The sun god and great meditorial divinity was mystically said to have been changed into a tree and when in that state to have been brought forth her divine son. If the mother was a tree, the son must have been recognized as the man, the branch. And this entirely accounts for the putting of the Yule log into the fire on Christmas Eve and the appearance of the Christmas tree the next morning.
0: You know, uh, what's one dope thing about podcasts is I feel like I got to throw a little personal experience with the Christmas tree. Let's go. And uh, I was, I grew up a Christian. Not going to say I'm a Christian now, but I grew up a Christian. And uh, one of my best friends in elementary, middle school, their family, you know, I don't want to be rude. I would say they're more educated. Anyway, their mom was very smart. And I remember Christmas time was coming around And uh, I was talking about, you know, the presents I'm going to open up, how I'm so hyped. And she told me that Christmas was pagan. I remember hearing that at a young age and not understanding what the fuck she meant. (laughs) And now hearing the excerpt you just read and a lot of reading and knowledge and experience since then, there is some decent validity to this, you know? There is and it i remember at the time it just being fucking i'm like what the fuck are you talking about man we're gonna open up presents you know like this is a time Jesus. exactly we're gonna open up presents for jesus jesus always taught material things (laughs) yeah (laughs) welcome to the united (laughs) states of america but uh man i i just that it that just hit home with me you know no doubt yeah no i appreciate that probably probably hit home with some of y'all too
1: yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and we are going to get even deeper into this as the month goes on. Okay, okay. No doubt. <laughs> Let's fucking this do is, it, dude.
0: This is just the start. But yeah.
1: that being said, you know, I got a Christmas tree. Christmas is awesome. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh,
0: Christmas is a good time. I'm not going to shit on Christmas. Yeah. But, I mean, there may be... You be know, some origins to that that we don't really. I know. Talk about. Maybe, maybe you know? I
1: need to put some uh, Babylonian gods on there. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, have like
1: a Babylonian right, no. god fucking I'll, topper. I'll keep the Star Wars
0: stuff on there. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars can stay on there.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting how it's been around definitely than we would imagine.
0: Then Christ supposedly walked the earth. It's it was around before that. It's definitely it not now, but it was a mind fuck for me a while ago. You know, just a close minded, yeah. retarded, no. just teenager. Yeah, you it know? is it is interesting. Um even before that, but yeah, it's a bombshell, dude. Mm-hmm. I love that word by the way. Bombshell. bombshell. Such a great fucking word. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Bombshell. So yeah, now
1: all right, so we talked about the Trinity. We how we talked about Christmas. Ah, let's talk about Easter. Oh it, yeah, <laughs>
0: we got another another one to go in here.
1: Another okay, Easter. let's do it. What means the term Easter itself? It is not a Christian name. It bears its Al- It's <laughs> you're good. It. it bears its Chaldean origin on its very forehead. Easter is nothing else than a one of the titles of Beltis, the queen of heaven, whose name is pronounced by the people Nineveh, was evidently identical with that now in common use in this country. The name is found by layered on the Assyrian monuments in Ishtar. That's from two Babylon's chapter three, section two. An egg of wondrous size is said to have fallen from heaven into the river Euphrates. The fishes rolled it to the bank, where the doves, having settled upon it and hatched it out, came Venus, who afterward was called the Syrian goddess. That is a a start. Hence, I feel like I've been saying that wrong the whole time. I've been saying a stare, a start. Sorry, I've been butchering that the whole time a start. Hence the egg became one of the symbols of a start or Easter. And accordingly in Cyprus, one of the chosen seats of the worship of Venus or a start, the egg of wondrous size was represented on a grand scale. The occult meaning of this mystic egg of a start in one of its aspects, for it had a twofold significance, had reference to the Ark during the time of the flood in which the whole human race were shut up as a chick enclosed in the egg before it is hatched. That's from 2 Babylons, Chapter 3, Section
0: 2. Respect on you for Whew. for having the references there. Uh, I, I had to, man.
1: This is, this is so this, dense yeah. of a subject. And tried to summarize... I tried to grab clips as best I could that went Mm -hmm. to the subject well. So, basically, he's talking about how Easter tied to Babylonian Mm. and Roman religions and their pagan ceremonies. Definitely. In a nutshell, that's what he's talking about.
0: How many... uh, how many more sections? You got You got one more section to go through or a couple more? I think I have... You got a couple more? Two, I think. Okay. I, I have two more. I'll, uh, I'll come in one more time. How I... Uh, yeah, here, go ahead. I early Earlier, I made the connection between Isis and Osiris and biblical Bible interpretations. Mm-hmm. I have another connection here between Ninus that's how I believe you say his name, and Nimrod from the Bible. So just a small background on both of the characters. We'll start with Ninus. Ninus, according to Greek historians, writing in the Hellasthenic period and later, was the founder of Nineveh, a.k.a. the city of Ninus. That is the ancient capital of Assyria. Now to talk just a tiny bit about Nimrod, trying to keep this short for Mm y'all. Uh, Nimrod is a biblical figure mentioned in the book of Genesis and the books of Chronicles, the son of Cush, that is C-U-S-H, and therefore a great... Cush. I didn't want to say that because of weed. (laughs) That's why I tried to avoid that. It is Cush, huh? I I think in my biblical
1: studies. Yeah, yeah.
0: And therefore a great-grandson of Noah... Nimrod was described as the king in the land of Shinar, which is lower Mesopotamia. Shinar. Man, you you got me on this one. Oh, you got me on, No, no, no. I Do I you like want to me hear it. you with the pronunciation. No, I, I okay. like to hear it. We we'd I, rather the viewers hear the correct. correct. No, we we'd rather have the viewers hear the correct Now ones. that I corrected you, I feel like someone's going to come back and be like, "No, and no, Jake it's was this. Right. you're retarded." Yeah, no, it's this. Anyways, which is okay. a lower Mesopotamia, which we know is Iraq. I, yes. uh, I touched on that last episode, but but that's kind of the area where we're in right now. And uh, now, if we're going to make a connection like I did with Isis and Osiris before, we're going to make a Ninus and Nimrod connection. This okay. is according to the amazing Bible timeline with world history. Uh, we will have it linked below, like usual. Sounds important. Yeah. King Ninus was first associated with the biblical mighty warrior Nimrod in literature entitled Recognitions Recent interpretations of Genesis 10 in the Bible states that Nimrod who established the city of Nineveh when translated the word literally means the habit the habitization of Ninus So is it possible that Ninus is Nimrod along with that Ninus had the same leadership attributes that is of the biblical Nimrod. That's interesting. I thought it was interesting. I want to add something onto that. Let's do it, dude. Add
1: it. Uh, Nimrod, in the Bible, the name Nimrod is not his name. It's a title, and we never know his real name. Dude, this is this is
0: why you so, make such good. So yeah. maybe
1: that's his real name. Maybe, maybe it's Ninus.
0: N- Maybe Ninus is Ninus Ninus. Dude, that's cool. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I I thought that was a good thing to throw in for y'all. Uh once again, I don't know, but you know, check the resources down below and make your own version of it, but I find it quite compelling. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah Dude. no that's awesome These, <laughs> i i like yeah. that note yeah because we
1: we never know uh we just know the title nimrod exactly like it's a saying that it's kind of you know dumb old now but yeah. if you call someone a nimrod uh it's just a title
0: mm-hmm. so we we never know his real name that's cool like you've definitely heard it before like if you call someone a nimrod you're calling them dumb you know dumb and stubborn i, ex- I feel like stubborn, stubborn. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe that's a better way to describe it but uh yeah dumb and stubborn you ignorant know and stubborn yeah. uh and maybe w- with these isis and osiris connections and these nimrod and nisis connections and then the christmas and easter connections right. that red went over like
1: and then nimrod was the one who supposedly made the tower of babel he was he was in charge of it
0: dude, so it never fucking ends um Man, that's cool. Thanks for that, man. I'm I'm happy I was able to find that for y'all. I mean, it's not super hard to find, but if once again, if 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 you fucking look for it, you can you can kind of find it, you know. No doubt. Okay, guys. I'm going to move on to the next one cuz I know we're going kind of long and we've got
1: a lot more stuff yeah, to talk Yeah, you about. got this to
0: cover. I got one thing more to cover and uh You might hit me with one more. Yep, yep. Pro yep. Hammer. I think uh I think you okay. will find this quite fascinating folks
1: so this next section here papacy and paganism there were two ways in which Dagon was anciently represented the one was when he was depicted as half man half fish the upper part being entirely human the under part ending in the tail of a fish The other was when to use the words of layered, the head of the fish formed a miter above that of the man while it's scaly fan, like tail fell as a cloak behind leaving the human limb limbs and feet exposed of Dagon, in this form. Layered gives a representation in his last work and no one who examines his meter and compares it with the Pope's as given in Eliot's *Hero*. can doubt for a moment that from that and no other source has the pontifical mitre been derived. The gaping jaws of the fish surmounting the head of the man at Nineveh are the unmistakable, unmistakable counterpart of the horns of the Pope's mitre at Rome, thus was it in the east and least 500 years before the christian era this is from the two babylons chapter six now i know a lot of that was hard to understand and if you have the book or if you google the book there are some pictures but for anyone who is conspiratorial and maybe familiar with these things, you might have heard something similar to what I'm about to break down, which is what he just said. So if you are familiar with the Pope and his hat that yep. he wears, he wears a hat, a specific hat. Now, if he were to turn sideways and yeah, you were to, you me- were to see... His hat sideways, you will see the point that it comes to kind of looks like the mouth of a fish. It resembles a fish, yes. Now, that in what Hislop is saying here is the same hat, the same attire of that Dagon, the priests of Dagon wore, mm-hmm. representing them to be half fish, half man. Uh, which he breaks down more in the chapter I just I just took a paragraph apart and mm-hmm. and I'm you know uh but that's what's happening here so it gives a good explanation for the weird hat of the pope uh I got one more chapter on this or okay. one more
0: sorry paragraph I'll have this. a little bit to add on after you
1: okay cool one more paragraph let me read this uh, but there is another symbol of the Pope's power which must not be overlooked and that is the pontifical oh no no I'm sorry this is the next one so if you have one on Dagon go
0: ahead and then I'll go into this the only thing that I did want to throw in because I had a little bit about them, but you covered that I have a uh, a quote from the Bible that uh, okay. not necessarily is about Dagon but that references Dagon and this has to deal with Samson. I'm assuming a good amount of you know about Samson, but uh, this is Judges 16.23. Then the lords of the Philistines, did I nail that?
1: Yeah, pretty good, the Philistines. The
0: Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto their Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, oh God hath delivered Samson our enemy our enemy unto our hand and uh, we know that Samson fucking destroyed that shit and fucking yeah no doubt and and fucked that shit up but uh if we are to take that literally that Samson was in a like daggone fucking structure you know yeah, like he was pulling down fucking yeah. So dagon he, he was structure. in a dagon temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, we'd like to infer, yes. Yeah, I didn't know that about the story. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Once again, that's Judges sixteen twenty three. If you would like to look it up, that's so uh, it was like yeah. the dagon uh, priests and
1: the some uh, op a, the, dagon the followers. guys like the the dagon the the pagans had him enslaved in their temple mm-hmm. and then he pulled it apart and just crushed the whole temple yeah dude literally that's, that's
0: pretty cool that's insane i think it's pretty dope yeah i like that but uh man uh especially too like i don't know so that be, was the god of the philistines was the was dagon was dagon yes he was the god of the philistines um Just a little sentence, I guess just to clarify this, this is coming from the New World Encyclopedia. (laughs) Gotta Mm -hmm. love the New World. (laughs) But uh, Dagon was an ancient Northwest Semitic god worshipped by the early Amorites and by the people of Elba and Agarit. He was also a major god, perhaps the the chief god of the biblical Philistines. And that is according to once again the new world encyclopedia but uh interesting other sources wonder if they were yeah. like
1: uh like uh they relied heavily on
0: fish i guess did they I, were they did they have a lot of you know i guess i didn't find anything on fish but just to continue on with this article it just makes a me little assume bit that. yeah mythological sources on Dagon are far from consistent so okay. maybe that's kind of an issue there the prevailing view today is that dagon was a fertility deity that related to grain and agriculture so that's another fertility connection but he's although a fish. although others okay. regard him as a type of merman figure or fish deity that the sea people's most popular images of him portray dagon today to me that makes more sense i i kind of want to agree with you there it's merman He's Aquaman <laughs> yeah, he, Exactly he's he's the OG Aquaman He's Poseidon uh, dude, yeah. He's Poseidon bro And like I said in the biblical story of Samson The temple of Dagon Which the Hebrew hero pulled down In his final act dude, of his dra- and it was dude, drama To me If I'm going to be opinion yeah. that, that other one
1: has to do with agriculture and shit yeah. To me
0: those are people that like Are just naysayers
1: No to them like they want to pretend like early people are dumb and they just
0: connect things and they wanna yeah. pretend
1: like they're they're stupid.
0: Hey, and I, I don't think they were. Nick, I totally agree with you, you know but I, I just like to have both sides. No, no, you know? I, I like it. Yeah. I like that, yeah, you, yeah. that you say that. You know, I like that you have bring all the facts.
1: Yeah, I want the facts. Yeah, to me that but those those scholars that say that it's like Yeah,
0: it's like come on, dude. They wanna
1: act like these early people didn't. they have the same brain capacity we have.
0: Yeah. You know, they we just have more advancements. No
1: way they were making that dumb connection. True. Okay, okay. maybe there's a chance hey, they did. There I, is a chance. I find it small though. I think. The I other agree one, with you. I Red. think the other explanation is better though. With
0: with the whole fish god, I think and, that's a better exclam- yeah, explanation. though. explanation. The fish, for sure. or not just fish god, but just fish deity. I'm not gonna say the the fucker is a god, but. I yeah, it seems like it to me. You know, makes makes more sense to me. And obviously, once again, make your own fucking opinion about it. You know, there there's a million different explanations, but oh, there's so much information that, there on Dagon. I do too, agree so. with you though. That I find that the most like plausible to me makes the most sense. He's a fish god, yeah. And, to me, and they were. You know, the fishermen probably prayed to him, right, dude? I would imagine like Dagon just shows up. It <laughs> just, no doubt. oh my
1: god. Okay, we're going to move on to the next part of this section. Let's do it, dude. Let's fucking All right, do this it. This is from 2 Babylon chapter 6 as well. Okay. Read this paragraph. But there is another symbol of the Pope's power which must not be overlooked, and that is the pontifical crosser. Whence came the crosser? To answer to this in the first place is that the Pope stole it from the Roman augur. As the Roman augur was distinguished by his crooked rod, so the Chaldean soothsayers and priests in the performance of their magic rites were generally equipped with a crook or crusair. The magic crook can be traced up directly to the first king of Babylon, that is Nimrod, who as stated by Barrosus, was the first that bore the title of a shepherd king now if you saw this um corsair, it's a it's a short staff that has a crook on the end mm-hmm. it's just kind of curve a hook to it um and it's depicted in murals in Egypt and Babylon long before the pope ever held such a thing yeah that's the that's the big what the fuck so he's got a Solid argument, I feel like here it's uh, it's been around the priest. What
0: essentially saying it's a pagan spear, huh? The
1: uh, a pagan um originated Origical, like it, it's just a pagan thing, basically a a pagan yeah. uh, relic. I don't know. Yeah, relic. I,
0: I think that's the way to say it, right there. A it pagan relic used in ceremonial magic. Used to be OP, maybe lost some of the power. Yeah, <laughs> used to have, now, the Pope, like.
1: now the Pope has it, and it's supposedly Christian, but it's it's not. It's just not Christian. No. Uh. So yeah, that was the last detail I had on this this section. And okay. Uh, you got another section to go find, over here. I got one last section. It's a okay. Long. Uh, One last thing I couldn't find here in this section. I I know I had found it before was about that same symbol being used for the god Tammuz, so i might as well just use this now
0: yeah I, I couldn't find it good let's fucking do it right now man we're pulling out the fucking bible right here so for y'all fuckers and that, if if you, you do know, read the book he talks about the god Tammuz a lot and there's tons of connections made to the god by Tammuz. the way one thing before i want to before i let you go on here mm-hmm. There is information online about Tamu and you can probably find what Nick is going to what Red's going to talk about here but Oh, definitely. It was kind of tough for me to find this like this shit about Tamu. It I, was kind of tough for me to find the you can relate, stuff right?
1: that I really wanted to find. Yeah. Uh but here we go. He's mentioned in the Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 8. I'm going to read starting
0: in uh was it 13 I believe this is what uh 813 of Ezekiel I'm gonna start at 13 okay. Uh yeah this is 813 of Ezekiel in the bible he said unto me
1: turn thee yet again and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do that he brought me to the door to the gate of the lord uh to the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. So, Damn. in Ezekiel, it mentions the god Tammuz, which, if you read the book, Alexander Hislop brings up a lot and i wanted to bring as a side note um that through this book it is often talked about the god tammuz and that the cross yeah is first associated with the god tammuz tammuz which may or may not be true i couldn't
0: find enough information to know that's one thing red was telling me about too like look into the staff of tammuz tammuz however however you want to say it uh, it was like kind of tough yeah. to find info about it. Is it hidden? Yeah. It are we being silenced? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was another thing. That same um staff, that
1: one that has the with the curved it, bill. The, supposedly, the priest of Tammuz used a staff like that, but I I couldn't find enough information on that to know. Yeah. But also, even bigger is that supposedly the cross worship was originally associated with the worship of Tammuz long before Jesus was ever Which alive. Which
0: is fucking crazy, dude. I
1: I couldn't find enough connections to tell you. I couldn't find enough information to say it's not true, and I couldn't find enough information to tell you that it is true. Um, I did find enough information to say for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that... Uh, the use of the cross in worship and worship of uh, the cross symbol has been around much longer than Christianity. Than Christianity. So that much is true. Whether or not it is for sure associated with Tammuz, I could not find. I wish I could find some definitive proof, but I couldn't. But it definitely has been around much longer
0: regardless that is a crazy insight man yeah and
1: especially in egypt the mm-hmm. the worship of the cross was around uh as well as the trinity which are two connections that are so together i think
0: yeah like they're profound. they're kind of one to one especially with christianity with the mm-hmm. uh the father the son and the holy spirit like I, I, I guess I've been completely overusing this word, but that is a fucking bombshell on oh, yeah. you know, just a boom on just Christianity and not only that, you know, I don't I don't wanna fucking disrespect any, any no disrespect. persons that, no. you know, follow Christianity, but there definitely is some insights that can be made that connect to other things like no yeah, this, no you know? So it's a cool insight. Uh, I'm totally with you. Thanks mm-hmm. for agreeing. I, I, you know, I, my, once again, my little retard brain, like it, it makes a lot of sense to me, but. I think it does. It, it's hard to say, man. It, it, It is hard to say. With that, I think we covered it good. Let's move on to the last and final okay. section. Little segue, the, the final chapter. Because I know
1: we've been kind of long here. This is a big one. I, I, um, I
0: think it's it's uh, needed though. Yeah, you know, definitely
1: to cover it. Uh, uh, you know, properly. Yeah, to give it justice. Absolutely, thanks. So this last section, Babylon the Great. Starting this with a quote from Revelation seventeen five, and upon her forehead was a name written, mystery Babylon the Great. The Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth.
0: What a title, man. had to start with that. Yeah, what a fucking title. Uh, So,
1: I'm going to read some of this. Uh, The reader has seen how complete and perfect is the copy of the old Babylonian paganism, which under the patronage of the popes has been introduced into the Roman church. He has seen that the divine... Sorry. He has seen that the God whom the papacy worships as the son of the highest is not only in spite of a divine command worshipped under the form of an image made as in the days of an avowed paganism by art and man's device, but that attributes are ascribed to him, which are the very opposite of those of which belong to the merciful savior. But which attributes are precisely those which were ascribed to Moloch, the fire god, or Allah Mahozim, the god of fortifications? Dude,
0: we have Moloch oh, there. Man. Sorry, this is tough I, to read. I I don't want to just pinpoint that paragraph, which was very dense on Moloch. Part of why I picked this paragraph, but is because of that, yeah, we have Moloch here, Moloch. which we have involved with other conspiracies like Grove. Eg- exactly we have moloch the some interpretations have him as the bull god we have others that say that it's the owl god uh moloch is that's pretty top tier man interesting you know not a big connection but yeah, of it's co- an interesting one i feel like it's kind of a big connection dude i think the only connection here that we have is that it's all evil. Maybe also, maybe uh, to your point, maybe more recency bias biases mm-hmm. with the uh, with the whole Bohemian Grove. Um, if you haven't watched or listened to our episode or know about the Bohemian Grove, just yeah. the whole idea of the the Moloch, the owl god, and sacrificing things to him, uh, mostly effigies of a child or whatever. But uh, man, that is that's fucking crazy i didn't find anything about that it w- it's just a it was just a passing reference
1: and the, the only real reference is that they're pagan but it was uh still it though, was man. cool i wanted to touch on it because yeah because of that yeah, okay it's fucking cool man no doubt All right, i'm gonna read some okay um back on track the the tough reading i'm gonna do my best guys um he has seen that about the very time when the Bishop of Rome was invested with the pagan title of Pontifex, the savior began to be called Icathus or the fish, thereby identifying him with Dagon or the fish God. And that ever since advancing step-by-step step as circumstances would permit what has gone under the name of the worship of Christ has just been the worship of the same Babylonian divinity with all its rites and prompts and ceremonies, precisely as in ancient Babylon. Lastly, has he has seen that the sovereign pontiff of the so-called Christian church of Rome has so wrought out the title bestowed upon him in the end of the fourth century. As to now dignify. As to be now dignified, as for centuries, he has been with the very names of blasphemy originally bestowed on the old Babylonian pontiffs. This is from the Two Babylons, chapter 7, section 2.
0: Now By the way, I love how you're including the fucking where it's at, Oh, well, man. thanks,
1: man. I'm trying. So I thought what was cool about that is he's talking about the fish god Dagon. Yeah being um reused as Christ which if you have ever seen anybody with a fish bumper sticker representing Christ you now can see uh the reference
0: being to the fish god Dagon. Mm-hmm. Dude, I to feel me- like Dagon's got to be OP, dude. Like he's fucking broken. Yeah, dude, he was important. He was fucking important, (laughs) He was fucking important, dude.
1: Man, to them, fish was life. So, yeah, uh, it's easy to see how, like, the worship of that fish god carried on and was just kind of
0: merged in with Christ. Definitely. It It is a super fucking cool insight to me. Like, I mean, I feel like I always, in a lot of these podcasts, I kind of say how i am just fucking stupid i didn't know who Dagon was until red fucking told me about him i know he's an og way back he is an og he's been killing it and i hope some of y'all didn't know either (laughs) maybe making (laughs) making myself feel a little bit better about me but uh man like what an insight no, man. I thought that was a cool one. That w- yeah, I appreciate no, it. I'm glad Red, you liked that, it. That was a really good one, man. All right. I'm going to hit you guys with the last paragraph right. I got on this. Fi- final sayings right here, guys. <clears throat> Clear the throat.
1: If anyone can prove that the Pope does not assume all the prerogatives and bear substantially all the blasphemous titles of that Babylonian beast that had the wound by a sword and did live... If it can be shown that the Madonna that has so recently with uh, one consent been set up is not in every essential respect the same as the Chaldean image of the beast, they may indeed afford to despise the threat, threatening contained in these words. But if neither the one nor the other can be proved, and I challenge the strictest scrutiny in regard to both, then every one within the pale of the papacy may well tremble at such a threatening. Now, then, as never before, may the voice of divine and that a voice of the tenderest love be heard sounding from the eternal throne to every adherent of the mystical Babylon Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. That is from two babylons in the conclusion section what a bar man and that last line he definitely he quoted from revelation yeah 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 definitely so he basically is saying here that he proved the papacy to be the second babylon that is spoken of in revelation and that he challenges anyone to prove it otherwise yeah which I was like, yo, he just threw down the gauntlet and was <laughs> yeah. like let's go. Go ahead. Where are the
0: fucking infinity is. He stones, hopes man. you do
1: prove him wrong. But man, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh I'm not fuck, saying it, dude. I don't I'm not saying the Roman church is the second Babylon. I don't know. But Of course. We don't we don't know. It was an interesting book. The way he talked about it was cool. And uh I think he had some really good knowledge and insights on some things that uh i think uh deserve
0: further digging into definitely respect uh what is his name hislop yeah alexander Uh, hislop fucking what a g man just a totally ahead of his time i feel like yeah man especially being in the the later 1800s like you know a lot of people wanted to discredit his work but
1: i think for the time what he did was amazing and uh, I think a lot of it is still relevant and, and should be dug into more. And maybe we find uh, that some of these things aren't as accurate. Mm. But um, I think the truth is important and we should dig into it. Definitely. So yeah, um, that's the way I got to wrap it up. Um, you got anything else
0: you want to add? I got add? one more thing to throw in. Do it, uh, yeah. Definitely not a crazy insight, but uh, during the... The listening, when I was listening to his book, he brought up the uh Kronos, the god Cronus or Kronos. Okay. Uh sometimes it's spelled US and sometimes it's spelled OS. So and sometimes it's spelled with a K instead of a C. So yeah, who knows what is the right way to say it. But th- this is just kind of fun okay. for, me. for yeah, me. Yeah, throw it out there. Let's let's hear it. Uh in ancient Greek religion and mythology. Kronos Kronos or Kronos that's one with a K one with a C was the leader and the youngest of the first generation of the Titans okay the defined descendants of the primordial Gaia aka Mother Earth and Uranus aka Father Sky so what I take from that is is our planet Uranus named after Cronus? interesting you know and uh some other bullshit I had to throw in. This is, that was from the wiki, and so is this. He overthrew his father and ruled during the mythologic, uh, the mythological age, the golden age. Sorry, kind of Th- stumbled. Mythological, there. mythological. My okay. bad. I was I was uh, messing no up there. Until he was overthrown by his son Zeus and the imprisoned in Tartarus. Yes. And uh, me and Red were chopping this up before. If you played Halo two, I bet they got their name of the one of the main boss one of oh, the crews no yeah. Tartarus. Like it's crazy how so many different, you know, people and establishments get their uh views, names, just inspiration from biblical or paganism or Yeah, well that's uh Greek you know that's just Greek mythology Greek, right there. Whatever it is, yeah. you know, the inspiration from previous just things in general just they they fucking stick along it does everyone just builds off of something from before it and i think that
1: that is a good tie into how uh everything that happened in this book and everything that we're talking about like all the religions just kind of tagged on yeah, they the religion connect. before them and just built off of it merged together
0: and just kept tagging together right yeah Dude, it's the same thing yeah definitely I, I'm pissed I I, missed, I think that's a good
1: yeah. uh, that was a good uh, point there to bring up there and
0: just a little fucking throw out there at the end just something to throw out there yeah I like I'm, it yeah I'm sorry I mispronounced mythological I don't know why it was just a it was just a mental block no there. worries dude I <laughs> you got me with the help though. when I when
1: I get in some of these readings dude and I hit some of the big words I'm so focused on them that when I go back to another word I know I yeah. chop it up sometimes and I'm like shit Fuck. i was i was
0: overthinking it because yeah. i was trying to hit these words exactly I didn't like Ex- exactly dude no big deal man
1: don't don't feel
0: bad but so, uh yeah i yeah uh, i'm happy i threw that in at the end fucking i like uh, it dude you got anything Appreciate else you want to throw in just insights or anything no dude i'm i'm exhausted on the yeah, subject i think i'm I, fucking uh, tapped out i'm so tapped out
1: on this one it, uh, it was it was big and deep and this is this might be our longest episode. Dude, uh, this was a fuck show. I,
0: I knew this was going to be long, but I didn't know it was going to be this fucking long. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I hope you guys like it. Yeah. Uh, drop us some
1: comments. Let us know more if, uh, you know, we appreciate it. and And we'd love more follow-ups and more direction on, the, on ways to go in the future. So until uh, next time, I'm Red. This is Jake. Thanks for listening. See ya.